Hi, thanks for checking out this message from our River Valley Church family here in Boise, Idaho. We hope that it encourages and inspires you. For more messages, be sure to check out our other podcasts. For more content from River Valley, go to our website, rivervalleyboise.com. Enjoy this message. enjoying this daylight savings thing. <laughs> so I have some issues with this. I'm just, just, just saying, like, I have some issues with it. First, we lose an hour. Yeah. Then we set new records in Idaho for having 14 days of snow in a time of year where we should not be having snow, right? Like, what's going on around here? I don't know about you. Um, I am looking for, I've got good news for you. I don't know if you've heard this, but the United States Senate last year, in March of last year, decided that we're going to get rid of daylight savings. Anybody ever heard? Have you guys heard about this? Yeah, it passed through the Senate. It, it's going supposedly into the House, and they're going to have some conversations about it. But here's the funniest comment that I was, I was reading about this, because I'm done with daylight savings. I don't know about you guys, but I'm done with it. Um, and, and the funniest part was, is they said they aren't sure how President Biden is going to respond to this. And I thought, out of all of the things that we are contemplating in our country, we're worried about daylight savings of time. Just be done with it. Anybody agree on that? All right, good. Well, we'll write a letter and make sure they get that done. Um, If you're you're here for the first time at River Valley, we're so glad you're here with us this morning. We're going to spend some time in the Word of God together and just learn and grow. And we've been in a series that um, is challenging us in some pretty unique ways. And I hope you sense that from our worship this morning. We're not just a church that gathers to sing songs, have somebody talk at us, and then we go do our life. We want to be a people who are building their lives around Jesus, who he is and what he did. Pastor Zach talked a little bit about that last week of what it looks like to build a Jesus-shaped life. And that's really what our prayer for you is. It's not that you'd be a churchgoer, not that you'd be a person that, that knows what it's like to set out a few hours on your Sunday mornings to go to church, but you would be a follower of Jesus, someone whose life resembles and looks like him. And in other words, that we're, we're living and doing the things that Jesus did because that's what he invited us to. And one of the cool things is, is that um, Jesus invited us to this right here, the table with him. And uh, I think that's one of the most unique things that as we think about life, and if you want to compare religions throughout the world, no other religion does the leader of it invite people to come sit at the table with him. And Jesus did. Not only did he invite us, but he opened up that table as we're discovering right here and now uh, to so many different kinds of people. Um, And that was really his his passion for us. Um, Zach absolutely killed it last week, kicking off this series for us. Can we give him a hand? That was, it was just an amazing week together. He did such a good job of setting context for us. And how many of you know context is important when you're trying to understand something, right? Oftentimes we can read through scripture and we're reading through scripture. And Zach challenged us with this last week. We read through it with 2020 vision, right? And what I mean by that is the, the day and age in which we live, we live in an American context. We live in a Western culture. And so sometimes it's hard for us to understand the significance of what we read in scripture because we've never lived that way in our lives. But this is part of the invitation of God for us is to us, for us to come to the word of God and to understand the context or what's going on around the scriptures that we're reading and studying through because it will give us greater insight 
as to what's being taught in those moments. And I just thought Zach did an amazing job of just kind of setting the table for us last week and giving us the opportunity to really understand, I think at a deeper level here, what God is trying to do. I mean, we're going to spend the next few weeks of unpacking that together, okay? Um, we're going to talk about all these different place settings around this table. But I want you to stand with me if you would. I know you just sat down, but we're going to read the Word of God together. We're, we're trying to spend a little more time doing this, and this is just simply a place of honoring the Word of God um, and, and understanding that it is the foundation for how we build our lives. Now, I'm going to read this. It'll be up on the screen. You can join in if you want. If you just want to sit and listen and let the Word of God wash over, you can do that as well. But I'm going to read a few scriptures for us out of Luke chapter 7. This is going to be the text or the context that we're going to be in this morning. We'll read a little bit more out of it, but I want to read just these few verses here as we get started. We're going to start in verse 36. So Luke chapter 7, verse 36 says this, one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. And then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. Lord, as we sit in your presence today, as we get to walk through your word, Lord Jesus, we invite you to come and sit right in the middle of our time together. And Lord Jesus, may we be enamored and enthralled with you in the same way that this woman did. Lord Jesus, where we recognize that there is something so different about you than everyone else in the room. And Lord, we just invite you to teach us through your spirit today, God, what it means to come and sit at your table. Lord, you've invited us. But Lord, I pray today that our hearts would shift in this understanding. Lord, that we've been invited not only to come to the table, but to sit and to dine with you. Lord, may we learn from your word today and may our lives forever be changed because of its truth. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. You know, the average life expectancy here in the Western culture that we live in, the United States, is 78.8 years. When you think about that, that's, that's actually pretty incredible in, in comparison to a lot of history. But you know that by the time that you die, you will consume over 80,000 meals. I want you to think about that, give or take a couple thousand on each side, but somewhere around 80,000 meals will you have consumed, sat at, partaken in, in some way, shape, or form in your life. Can I just tell you, that's a lot of opportunity. You know what the ironic part of that is? You will have also consumed 73,646 pounds of food in those meals. Can I get an Amen. Come on, that's, here, here's what statistics tell That's like eating six elephants in your lifetime. Can I just say, that's a lot of elephant. That's a lot of elephant. Well, when you think about that, I want you to just put that in context. When we hear numbers like that, we're like, wow, that's a lot, Tim. That's great. I want you to think about how many opportunities over your lifetime you have to sit and break bread with people in your life. 
to have a meal, to sit down together and to slow down. And to be clear, and Zach did a great job this last week, we're terrible at this in the United States. Our meals are fast. Our meals are typically in our vehicles or on the way to something else. We very rarely, specifically in the modern day nation in which we live, very rarely do we actually sit down and enjoy a meal together, like be intentional about that. And I think that's one of the things that contextually we've just got to understand about the culture in which Jesus was in is their pace and rhythm was considerably different than ours. And I'm just going to go out on a limb and say I might think that it might be a little bit better than ours. Because some of the things that we're missing out on in this beautiful place of breaking bread and having a feast. And how many of you think our table looks amazing today? Come on, man. Some of you just want to come up here and eat, don't you? That's why it's there. Just to tempt you. That's it. No, but, but what we want to understand is that maybe our culture and the way that we are doing life, there might be something better out there. In fact, as we look at Scripture, how many of you know that the Jesus way is better than maybe the way that we're living in our life currently? And part of this journey of following Jesus is learning how to live in the rhythms of what he did. Amen? And one of those things that we're talking about here is this place of eating, this place of being around the table. And I, I just want to sh share with you some of the various places that in my life, and I, and I hope for you as I go through some of these pictures, you're thinking in your life, where are some of the crazy fun places you've got to sit down and have a meal? Who are some of those people that you've got to sit down and have a meal with. So I, I, I went through my phone and picked out a few that I, I have over these past few years of just places I've got to have some food together. This one right here is actually in Buell, Idaho. Everybody know where Buell is? So uh, uh, what something we do, our family has done for years and years now. On the um, 31st, New Year's Eve, we always go down to some hot springs down near this area. And we just go enjoy kind of the afternoon together and have some food. And over the years, it's turned into this. Like, a few people like going. And so this last year, we had this whole group, and, and we sat down together after hanging out at the hot springs, having a good time. We all broke bread together and ate some good old-fashioned pizza. Anybody good with pizza? Such a fun time. Man, we were laughing. We literally, this is not a joke. We walked into this restaurant. There were two people in line in front of us that were getting their to-go pizzas. And then this crew walked in, and we literally took over the entire restaurant. It's name's Papa Kelsey's. If you ever want to have some good food down there, it's a great place to go eat. But this is some of the people that I've gotten to break bread with just, just recently. Here's, here's another picture. How many of you guys have ever had this one? So this is our kids and some of their friends. How many of you know this is a few years ago? How many of you guys ever broke bread over a ping pong table in the garage? Come on. Hey, Carter's like, yeah, because that's him sitting over there in the corner, right? Listen, a lot of times we think of breaking bread around a table like this, but how many of you know a ping pong table can do as well? So we, we, we oftentimes will break bread with people in some strange, strange places. And sometimes some strange people come to the table. How many of you know that's all right? It's a good thing. Come on, I want you thinking about some of the places you've had some meals with. Here's the next one. This is, this is our leadership team this year. We got to get together and have, have a meal at our house. That is our dining room table. And this is how we eat in our home. We go to a restaurant and do all those fun things. And that's great. But how many of you know this right here is special? Let me see a little Everly in the middle of the table. She's the boss, man. She was owning it, owning it. But this is breaking bread. This is sitting together and fellowshiping. This meal right here probably took, I don't know how, we were, we were at that table for probably an hour and a half, two hours. I'm, I'm just guessing. I'm not trying to exaggerate. We were just there a really long time, sitting around, not the most comfortable chairs in the world, just so you know. 
Not, not like the, the world's best food, just really great people to sit around and spend some time with, right? Here's some other ones for you. These ones are a little bit more, more unique. This one right here was our, our Mexico missions team this last year. We took 40-some people down to Mexico, and we were at this little Mexican kind of taqueria down there in Mexico. It was fantastic. I'm just telling you, if you never want to go on a missions trip, I'm going to entice you right now. The food is amazing. I mean, the people are even better, but the food is amazing, right? So this was our team one night. We just decided to bless our team, go out and have a little fun. And we went and tried this new taco place. I promise you, we are going back. It was amazing. But we literally took over this little this, this taco stand. They, they pushed all the tables to the outside, kind of made this big U-shaped thing so our whole team could just sit together. and felt, We were exhausted. I think this was Thursday night. We had started on Sunday. This was Thursday night. Our team was pooped, building houses working with women and children in this, in this shelter that's down. I mean, this team was killing it. And we went here and just sat around. Can I tell you, that was one of the best tasting meals I think I've ever had. And it wasn't just because the food was good. It was good. But it was because of the context of what was taking place right there. And we literally sat there. I don't know. It was so late. We were all so tired. But nobody wanted to get up the table. We had full bellies, full hearts. We were in deep relationship with each other. And it was beautiful. I mean beautiful, right? Here's another one for you. This one right here is a little bit different. This was taken circa 1997 in the nation of Papua New Guinea. Anybody know where that's at? Just above Australia, out in the South Pacific. I had the privilege of going there. And this was one of the villages that I went to. Now, in their villages, they do these gigantic feasts, but they only do them on very, very, very special occasions. We're talking like some of these people have only experienced them two or three, maybe four times in their entire life. And we had come to this village to, to get to share the gospel with them, and it was a big deal for them. I'm, I'm 19 years old in this moment right here, thinking, what in the world is going on? Like, literally everybody from the surrounding area in these villages, we were up in the highlands of Papua New Guinea, and they had killed these pigs. You see them playing on the ground over here. Relax. It's, yes. Um, but this is, this is how they prepared their food. And then what they do is they big, dig a big pit in the ground. They put all these banana leaves in them. They put the food in them. Then they put hot rocks on top of them and more banana or leaves and all this kind of stuff. And they let it sit in the ground with all of this kind of uh, fire and all this stuff around. All the rocks were heated up. They let it sit in the ground all overnight, clear into the next day. And that's your meal. So the next day they come and they start peeling back all these, all these banana leaves and all this kind of stuff. And you get to sit and have this feast. And you have it. Not necessarily around a table, just sitting out in an open area. Now, this was back in the day where you took pictures with like 35-millimeter cameras. Anybody remember that day? So we weren't burning up pictures like we do nowadays because we've got all this digital stuff. This was, this was, and so these were the people that I got to share a table with. And it was their like entire village people. Like, not like village people seeing, and not that kind of village people. Like, this kind of, it was amazing. One of the most life-changing moments of my life when it came to breaking bread with people. Everything in my mind was going, don't eat this food, you're going to die, it's just, you're in trouble. And I just sat there and I just felt like the Holy Spirit gave me just this peace and calm to just be here with these the, in this moment. And it was amazing and I'm still here today to tell you about the story. Right? Trust That's when you pray over your meals. You don't need to pray over your meals here. You need to give thanks here, but that's where you need to pray over your food. Amen. You guys with me? Come on, you guys are you're way too uptight this morning. This next picture though is probably my favorite meal ever. So the family that took us into the highlands, this gentleman in the white shirt sitting on the right-hand side right here, this family that took us into the highlands took us there because they wanted their village to hear about Jesus. 
And this man was actually the, the manager of a coffee um, like farm. It was this huge coffee farm in the highlands of Papua New Guinea. They produced the best coffee. I'm not a big coffee fan, but it was phenomenal. Um, and this is their family. And we'd come back, and we came back on a Saturday night. And the next morning, we were getting ready to go to church, and they invited me to stay with them, and we were going to go to their church, and me and my friend from Australia were there. And we get up in the morning, and we walk into their kitchen, and this is what they're having. This is how they're having breakfast together. And you know what the coolest part was? They didn't feel weird or ashamed in any way, shape, or form. They just invited us to come and sit at their table, and it was sitting on the floor. And we just sat around, and some of that was the pig from the mountains that we brought back, um, uh, sweet potatoes and all kinds of just random stuff that we don't eat for breakfast, people. But, but it was just such a beautiful moment of sharing a meal with somebody. And my heart is forever tied to this family. Why? I, ne- I have never seen them again in my life since that moment. But they are, they are part of my family. They're part of, of who I've become as a person. Why? Because they invited me to their table. So here's what I want to remind you of. A lot of times we put context around the table of being like this. I just want to say this is one nice table. I know the man who built it. Um, This is one nice, beautifully laid out setup. How many of you know that sometimes the table will look different than this? And in Jesus's time, they had a lot of traditions on what they were doing in their life. They had a lot of traditions on how they gathered together. And the context for this dining experience that we're talking about here right now, and this week out of Luke chapter 7, was Jesus was invited into a Pharisee's home. So I need you this morning to go with me. I need you to take off your, your 2023 glasses, and I need you to put on, on your, your Hebrew ones. I need you to sit with the children of Israel kind of in their time, right? These Obviously, they've moved forward now. We're hanging in the Roman Empire. There's, it's a little bit different context, but they're still living with many, and Zach told us that this week, all the rules and regulations that the Pharisees had put into place. Pharisees were just religious leaders at their time, okay? And so Jesus is in this context and got invited to come and have a meal with someone, right? Last week, Jesus was invited to whose home? You guys remember? Tax collector. Thank you, Richard. I don't know where the rest of you were, but it's still a tax collector. Was it Richard? Was it you, Richard? Um, we got to hang out with the tax collector. How many of you guys remember the tax collector last week? Come on, you guys. Are you guys with me? Do I need to go get the kids? Like, come on now. How many of you guys remember the tax collector last week? Tax collectors are what? They're just the dirt bags of society, right? They were, they were Israelites, right? They were Jewish people who were taking money from Jew, the Jews and giving it to the Romans who were the enemies of the Jews, right? They were like the worst of the worst. Like, think of the person that you dislike the most and magnify that by about 10,000, okay? These are the people that know we want to hate. And that's, that's where we found Jesus last week hanging out and having a meal. And remember, all of the religious people were like, dude, Jesus is hanging out with sinners and tax collectors, and right? Like, it was just, it was bad. That's, that's what the context of what Jesus was doing. This week, we don't know the time frame. We don't know how long that was. But this week we find Jesus being invited to the house of a Pharisee, the complete opposite other end of the spectrum, right? 
One week he's hanging out with the lowest of lows, the, the people that nobody else wants to be around, won't even look at them. They literally would turn their back to them when they were walking down the street or around the tax collectors. They hated them. And now we're going to the other end of the spectrum. Jesus gets invited over to a Pharisee's house. And this Pharisee was one of the religious leaders of their time and one that obviously had some significant influence through his life. But he was invited over to that table um, and, and as we see this interaction begin to take place, there's some interesting things that I want you to just put in your mind right here, right? Uh, number one, Pharisees didn't just invite anybody over to their house. It wasn't just like, ah, oh, I'm feeling generous today, we're going to invite. There was some kind of motivation behind this Pharisee inviting Jesus to his home. And more than likely, it probably was not a good motivation. Just saying. Now, I could be totally wrong. We can, we're, we're looking at this context. We think that we know this is a, a Pharisee named Simon, but we're, gonna, we're just going to leave that where it's at this morning. But just know that the motivations behind the invite to this Pharisee's house was probably not a good one. Probably trying to did. All the Pharisees to this point in time, all they're trying to do is blow Jesus up. I mean, not literally blow him up, but literally like in every conversation that they're having with him, they're trying to make him look bad. They're trying to get him to contradict himself. They're trying to get to the place where they can say, let's kill this guy. That's what they were dealing with, right? Because they believed what he was teaching was heresy. And in the context of their culture, it was without a doubt, unless he was who he said he was, right? And so this Pharisee invites him over and Jesus is goes over to this Pharisee's house, and he's spending time with um, the elite of their society, of the Jewish culture right there. He's hanging out with them. So just like last week where the tax collector would have invited his tax collector buddies over, the Pharisee would have invited his Pharisee buddies over and, and the, the, the people that were holy Right, that were doing all the right things, quote-unquote, in all the right ways, and they were invited over. And here's, here's the interesting thing. Zach gave us some context around that last week, that their meals were set up a little bit differently than how we do our meals. Right? So they sat on the floor around these big tables oftentimes, and they would recline. They were, they were a production. Like they were, they were a legit, we're going to spend some time eating together. Oftentimes these meals as well, because they couldn't fit all of the people maybe in a home kind of setting, they would have it to where a lot of this was in a courtyard-type setting where there were some open sides to it where people on the outside, so people walking down the streets, other Pharisees, all of those type of people would walk along and look and go, oh, who's having dinner at so-and-so's house tonight? And that was part of their cult cultural norm, right? It's part of the reason why as we continue reading through Scripture, you'll see Jesus eating with people and the Pharisees standing off to the side. They weren't, in, they weren't taking part in the meal. They weren't invited. But they're staying off to the side watching this meal take place, right? So oftentimes it's in this open-air setting. How many of you think that's kind of cool? That'd be kind of fun, right? I mean, this time of year it would suck. It would be bad. Uh, but we, we like eating. How many of you guys like a barbecue? Yeah. How many of you guys like going to an outdoor eating venue and enjoying a meal outside? Yeah, that's why we live in Idaho. We enjoy those things, right? Well, they did that kind of same thing in their culture as well. And so other people were watching what's going on. And we have that taking place right here and now because we have somebody show up to this meal that was not invited. I want to be clear. And as we are reading in verses uh, 37 and 38, this sinful woman, which is kind of the nice way of saying probably a prostitute, someone who was selling herself for money, 
came and heard that Jesus was having a meal at this house, probably walked by, heard or saw that he was in there. And something transpired in this moment that made this meal so different than any of the other meals that they had up to that point. Wrapped up inside of this, this time and this meal and this interaction is some deep spaces of not only theology, but also some understanding of this person of Jesus. So what I want to do is I want to, I want to go back through, I'm going to read this again, and then we're going to finish out some of the, the space, the text, the story that follows what we just read earlier. Are you guys with me this morning? Yeah. Okay, so here we go. Luke chapter 7, verse 36. It says, one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to come have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman, so we're just going to identify her for what she is. And just so you know, she's sitting right over here. She's going to be right here in just a second. This is, this is what represents her, her alabaster jar right here. How many think that's a beautiful alabaster? Come on now. This is kind of her, her garb, her outfit that she would have worn, right? Um, she comes. Um, then she kneels behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet. And, the, and putting perfume on them. Now, I shared with you just a second ago that the reason she even knew he was there was, was because, number one, of, of what she had heard about Jesus. He was, he was the talk of the town in a lot of ways. But my guess is as well because she could see it. She could see this taking place. And, and just so you know, this particular woman, when it comes to this type of person in their culture, in the Jewish culture, what would they have done to this woman? Anybody know? Stoner. So I just... I want you to see up here today. We have, we have stones up here to represent. Don't worry, I'm going to throw them at you. Well, I might. Um, we have stones representing the reality of what in their culture and their time they would have said that she deserved. Okay? In, 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 in the context of who she was as a person, what she had done with her life, the things that she had done, all of that, what the culture would have said of her was that she was worthy of being stoned, killed. Right? Because of the choices that she's made. How many of you ever feel like that might be part of your story in your life? I can just tell you me. The rest of you, you're way more holy than, than me. Uh, verse 39 says this, When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, so he saw what was going on here. Pharisee, in his own home, sees this immoral woman coming and washing the feet of Jesus. He said to himself, everybody say, to himself. To himself. So in other words, he's talking to himself. It's a conversation that's going on inside of him. Every one of us has had it and probably have it multiple times a day, right? We see somebody and we go, we're having a conversation. Oh, that person's sketchy, right? Blah, blah, blah. Whatever conversation's going on inside your head. This is what's going on with this Pharisee, right? If this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. How dare him? If he only, there's no way that. This is what I'm saying. His motivation probably was not awesome, right? Because he's looking at Jesus thinking, hey, he's claiming to be the Messiah. But if he was really a prophet, he would know the kind of woman that's touching him, him, and he wouldn't let her within 100 feet of him. She's a sinner. She's unclean. Here's where it gets fun. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. I love this. I love this about Jesus. I love that he didn't just let this go by. I mean, he could have. Jesus, he's the son of God. He could have just been like, man, that guy's just judging us for real, blah, 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 blah. No, 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 no. Jesus, being the very nature of who he is, God incarnate, right? We're seeing Jesus in this moment. He answers the dude's thoughts. 
How many think that guy might be going, oops, I should have just kept, kept my mouth shut, right? My inner dialogue should have been a lot quieter. Simon, he says, said to this Pharisees, I have something to say to you. Can you imagine what Simon the Pharisee is thinking in this morning moment? I, I'm betting, first of all, I'm betting he didn't think Jesus was going to say what he's about ready to say. I'm betting he was thinking that Jesus was going to say, hey, thanks for inviting me over for dinner. It's really nice of you. Love the spread we got going here. You're a good dude. Like, I'm sure Simon in his mind is not going, oh, Jesus just read my thoughts. That's not where Simon's brain's at, right? He's hosting this feast. He's trying to make it, like, cool and awesome. And he's wanting to hear from this new cool rabbi, hey, thanks for inviting me over. That wasn't quite what took place here. It says, go ahead, teacher. Simon replied eagerly. I added the eagerly. Then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one, 50 pieces to the other, but neither of them could repay him, so he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that moment? So Jesus is now doing what? He's testing this man's heart. Right? testing this Pharisee who has probably lived his life in a way that looked good. Like from everybody paying attention to his life, they would have said, this is the good guy, she's the bad one, right? Jesus tells a story as he loves to tell stories and invites Simon in for a learning opportunity. How many of you guys are thankful for learning opportunities? Come on. Come on. Simon answered, uh, and I guarantee you in his heart, Simon's going, where's this going? I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt, Jesus. That's right, Simon, right? Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, speaking to Simon, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. Just so you know, the washing of feet would have been customary in entering into any home at that time. Specifically into a Pharisee's home, they would have almost required that of everybody coming in, they would have a servant that would have taken care of that. But that was not even offered to Jesus. This is why I say the motivation of Simon probably wasn't in the best spot, initially inviting Jesus over for dinner, right? You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet, the most unclean part of a person in that time and place. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love, but a person who is forgiven little shows only a little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. That is a huge statement that we don't even have time to unpack today. But that's a big deal. The men, listen to this, the men at the table, so these would have been his buddies. I'm just telling you, they were Pharisees. They were religious uppity-ups. Said among themselves, notice they didn't say this to Jesus, who is this man that he goes around forgiving sin? And Jesus said to the woman, didn't even dignify what was going on with them with a response. He said, your faith has saved you. 
go in peace. Now that's a dinner. That's a dinner. In this moment, what Jesus began to unpack for these people that thought they were right in the way that they were living was how corrupt their hearts were. Jesus began to teach them a principle of of just what would have been common courtesy in his time as he came to this meal to just wash his feet, provide for him that that, that cleansing capability for for their home and this meal to be a a cleanly environment. They would have also anointed them with oil. That was just a, a common courtesy thing that when you invite somebody into your home specifically for a meal like this, the oil would kind of help knock down the dust and it had a fragrance to it and all those types of things. They didn't do any of those things for Jesus. So basically... What, what they were speaking to Jesus in that moment was, you're not important enough to do these things too. And so what happened was the most beautiful expression of love, I think, that we see throughout Scripture in direction towards Jesus. That a woman who didn't deserve his attention or time, didn't even have a place to come and sit at that table, was invited by Jesus himself, and she poured out this extravagant love offering to him. It's beautiful. In fact, you can go into the the history of this, but that perfume that she brought, they say, is worth about a year's wages. So I just want you to think about that in your mind. And I'm not trying to to make you feel guilty this morning, but I want to just invite you to this question for yourself. When was the last time that you brought Jesus worship and love that was worth a year of your wages? When was the last time you stepped into a worship environment and said, I... I'm not a dancer, I'm not a shouter, I'm not a hand raiser, but Jesus, you are so worth it. Jesus, you forgave me, you've healed me, you've called me your own, Jesus, you get all of my worship. We sang about it this morning, right? I will make room for you, like it's clearing out all of the other noise of our life and recognizing Jesus for who he is. Here's what I fear, Church of America, Church of the Treasure Valley, River Valley, that we would bring a greater sacrifice to the things of this world that we love and enjoy than the, the person of Jesus Christ who has saved and redeemed us. It's a scary thought. It's a scary thought to me that, that the one who actually purchased our soul would get less of our heart than a football team or a basketball team or a baseball team or your workplace or, or whatever, whatever recreation or vacation gets the worship of your life. I want to invite you, and this is what we're trying to build in our culture here. This is not, don't feel condemned. I want to invite you to something. What I'm, what I'm trying to help you to see is that Jesus is so worthy of the extravagant worship that we bring him. There is not another human being on the planet that has given you the opportunity that he has given you to come and have relationship with the creator of the universe. Yet oftentimes we're so reserved in how we worship him. Jesus celebrated the extravagant love of this woman in this moment because she didn't hold anything back. How many of you know that she could have been stoned just for coming into that room? Like the risk to her life, to her well-being, the physical harm that she could have received by going through that, making the decision to come into that environment, she saw Jesus as worth that risk. I want to ask you, when's the last time that you saw Jesus worth the risk of being ridiculed by somebody else for? What's our our worship to him look like? Is it worthy of a king? And that's exactly what she brought. She brought a place of honor to Jesus, listen to me, that the religious people 
who called themselves God's people weren't willing to bring to him. It's a big deal. And my heart is concerned because I think we experience this in America today. We have lots of houses of worship and lots of cool things that sound neat but aren't coming from a heart of just saying, Jesus, you're worthy of extravagant worship for my life. Jesus, you are worthy of the risk, whatever that looks like. Here's what I want you to know. Jesus didn't celebrate the Pharisee who had done all the right things. He looked at this woman who was weeping and just put herself in the place of a servant who poured out extravagant love on Jesus. And he said, hey, hey, everybody, this is what this is all about. Right in the middle of a bunch of religious people gathering together doing their thing. He said, this is what love looks like. This is what it's all about. And this is the beauty of what, who Jesus invites to his table. Jesus doesn't invite always those who are the most qualified. Jesus invites those who are willing to come and just be real before him. It's beautiful. Here's the funny part is that Jesus ate with both the religious elite and the train wreck. Jesus was willing to share a meal with tax collectors and gluttons and all of these people that, that in, in society nobody wanted to be around. And he accepted the invite from a Pharisee, a religious person, a person who from the outward appearance had it all together. Jesus was not concerned on who the invite was from. He just wanted to be with people. And in the context of each of those spaces, Jesus made room at the table for people that the other people didn't invite. Jesus made room at the table of a Pharisee for an immoral, sinful prostitute. That's, that's how Jesus worked. He made room at the table. He invited her into the space of relationship with him. And you know what the incredible part was? He did the, the Pharisee wasn't invited into that moment. The Pharisee was invited to see what was going on in that moment. But Jesus invited her into relationship with how, him. How? Through forgiveness. He just poured grace and mercy over her life. Church, that's what the table's all about. Is It's an opportunity for us to see that even in the religious dysfunction of what was going on in the Pharisaical realm... Jesus accepted an invite. Why? So he could show them what the kingdom of God looked like. Jesus didn't turn down the invite from the Pharisee going, I don't want to hang out with you. You guys are a bunch of hypocrites and jerks. Now, he calls them that later, right? But he accepted the invite. He came and he fellowshiped with the Pharisee. He came and sat with those guys. And through that process, how many of you know that, that what he was trying to do is to help them see what the kingdom of God really looked like? He didn't want them to be wrapped up in the pomp and circumstance of their self-appointedness as the religious uh, rulers and, and judges and executioners of their time. He wanted them to understand that the kingdom of God looked very different than what they thought it looked. And he demonstrated it to them in how he interacted with the sinful woman and the invite. That he, isn't that beautiful? Like, this is Jesus. This is the Jesus, I just want to help you know, that you say you're following. This is the Jesus that I, I say I'm following. He's the one that will go sit both with the scumbag tax collector and with the Pharisee. 
He's the one that in the middle of the religious environment will invite a sinful woman not only to just come be with him, but will give her the opportunity to come and spend eternity with him in heaven. Think about that, church. And all that is oriented around the table. A simple invite to just come and be seated. Here's what I know. That the table is one of the best spaces to reveal the kingdom of God to those who think they are right and to those who know that they are not. I want you to think about that in your own life, in my life, the context of our lives. That the table, this right here, your home, the environments that we go and spend time and have meals with people in, it is the best space to reveal what the kingdom of God looks like. Why? Because everybody's welcome doesn't matter what you've done in your past. doesn't matter how broken you are. doesn't matter the things that, that other people are saying about him. You know, there were some people saying some bad things about that lady. Why? Because they had personal experience with her. You know what the silly part of this is? That sinful woman, we, we know her to probably be a prostitute. Most of the men sitting around that table that were Pharisees probably interacted with her. Probably purchased her at one point. And in their pharisaicalness, in their rightness, when she steps onto the scene, they want to make sure that they have nothing to do with her. They, they're trying to disassociate themselves from her. And guess what Jesus is saying? Oh, no, 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 no. She gets to come right in the middle of this meal. And all you dudes sitting around here who you know who she is, she's welcome in this meal. Isn't that beautiful? That is the heart of Jesus. That's why the table is such an incredible platform to invite people into our lives that they would see what the kingdom of God looked like. You know, you know what's cool about this is we know the early church. So the church after, the, the time after Jesus left and the early church started gathering together and they, they honestly were just trying to figure out what in the world's going on. We know they got this part of who Jesus was because of how they functioned together. I'm wearing the sweatshirt today. This was our sweatshirt for our youth camp this, this year. Just got over a few weeks ago. Um, and this word right here says devoted. But it, it comes out of a beautiful passage of Scripture, Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Those of you that are wearing your sweatshirts today, you got the memo. Well done. Well done. Um, Acts chapter 2, verse 42. It says this. I want to just read this to you. And this is the early church. This was after the day of Pentecost. This is when they're just trying to figure out what is this church thing going to look like. How are we going to do this without Jesus? And here's what it says. All the believers devoted, everybody say devoted. Devoted, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So they were learning. They were growing, right? To fellowship. That means getting together and hanging out and having fun and just doing life and things together. Playing cards. I don't know if they played cards. but Well, I know they didn't play cards. They didn't have cards. But just, just having a good time together, right? And to the sharing in meals including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. These were the things that the early church did as they were beginning to form. Can I just tell you that Jesus has the same plan for the church of today? And so when we look at this, they didn't, they didn't just come up with the fact of, hey, we should just like, let's do dinner together. That'd be fun. We should try that. That's not what they're doing. They're mirroring the Jesus way of how what Jesus did with his disciples. They're mirroring, they're modeling what Jesus did with the tax collector and the Pharisee. And 
He, he interacted with them. He, he set the table and invited them to come and be a part. And guess what? That's what the early church started doing. Why? Because it's the Jesus way. If we say that we are followers of Jesus or want to be followers of Jesus, then I just want to challenge you this morning Then we're going to do things the Jesus way. And the table, this right here, is the Jesus way. You know, we had our Pharisee who had maybe some ill intent or weird motivations behind why he was inviting Jesus over. He had the law. He had everything he needed to be justified in being skeptical about Jesus. And then Jesus shows up and shows him the kingdom of God, shows him a better way. Did you know we have lots of accounts throughout the New Testament of Pharisees who were looking for the Messiah when they heard about Jesus? Something changed inside of their heart, and they began to follow what the Bible calls the way, the Jesus way. I don't know about Simon, but I'm really hoping this guy, this Simon, his heart was transformed because of the moment, the interaction that he had with Jesus and what took place in his home. Amen? The other end of the table down here, we have our, you know, we had our immoral, our sinful woman who was invited with her beautiful alabaster jar to come and sit and be a part of communion with Jesus. We have our tax collector who everybody would have wanted to kill if they had the opportunity, stole from their families. Uh, was just a complete dirtbag, and Jesus said, hey, I'll go have dinner with him too. So I want to ask you this morning, as we go on this journey, because this is what we're doing, we're learning about Jesus. You're, you are learning today about the Jesus that you say you're following. I'm learning today about this Jesus that I say that I'm following. And Jesus' way was to have some meals with people. And to have some meals with people that, like I said, were on the outside looking in. I'll share one more story with you, and then we're going to close out today. 1996, um, so the year before I went to Papua New Guinea, I went to New Zealand, and I was working on a medical boat down there called the Island Mercy through a, a group called Youth with a Mission, and they ran these things called Discipleship Training Schools, a six-month school where the first three months, it's this intense kind of learning environment where you're learning and growing and processing through your life and relationships and all the time. Get some great biblical teachings. In the following three months, you go out on outreach. And you go out into the cities and places. They, that boat typically traveled to like Tonga and Samoa and Fiji and Papua New Guinea. And they would pull into these harbors and they would do these medical clinics. You guys still with me this morning? Yeah. I promise I'll be done in a second. And, um, and so I was, I was on this ship, um, went down there to be a part of this discipleship training school. We had done our our three months of training and equipping, and then we started doing outreach. And what we did for the majority of our outreach was we sailed all the way around New Zealand and went to a bunch of different cities. And one, one of the cities that we pulled into was Auckland, New Zealand, beautiful port city, amazing, amazing place. We pulled in there, and um, me and a couple of the guys that I had just built great relationships with, we, we were just saying, God, like, what, what do you want us to do here? It's a big city, lots of people. Lord, how can, we, how can we make an impact in somebody's lives? And so before we would go out on outreach, we'd get together in these little groups and we'd just pray. We'd spend maybe an hour saying, God, we, just, we need your direction. We need your help. We didn't have anything specific that we were going to. There was times where we did. We'd go visit schools and churches and all that kind of stuff. But there was just some times where we'd just gather together and go. And, and, and as we were sitting there praying together, one of the guys says, man, I see the weirdest picture. He said, I see this red light. And it's blinking on and off. I was like, okay. The other buddy that was sitting there, he said, man, I saw this woman sitting in kind of this window uh, of, of I, don't, I don't really know what it was, but just like a, a clear window between me and her, and I was walking out in the street. And we just continued praying. Um, and, and as we, we were talking through this place, I said, 
And I, and I see a McDonald's. And they're all looking at me like, dude, we're trying to be spiritual here, bro. Like, come on, we're getting lights and we're getting a woman this and you're getting McDonald's. I'm like, I'm just telling you what, what I'm sensing in this. And so we prayed for a few minutes longer and we were just like, well, let's just go walk the city. We're just going to go walk. See what God does this morning. So we start walking through Auckland, New Zealand. Had no idea. Never been there before in our lives. None of us. One of them was from Australia. The other guy was from the United States with me. We're walking through Auckland, New Zealand, and we're just kind of cruising up and down streets. And all of a sudden, we look up this street, and there's this red light blinking. And it was a red light that was like on, attached to a building, not like a stoplight red light. So we're like, huh, maybe we should follow the red light, right? So we go cruising up this street. We're just praying the whole time, like, God, what do you have? And so we walk up to the street, and, and there's a red light. And as we look down the street, there's a bunch of red lights. We're like, wow, this is incredible. Yes, we're a little dumb and naive. <laughs> we turn down this street, and we start walking down it. And as we start looking around, we're like, maybe we should not be here, right? <laughs> we start noticing the type of shops. And this was the sex district of Auckland, New Zealand. Had no idea it even existed. We were walking down there, and as we were walking down this street, where these red lights were, were basically common terms of prostitution space, right? Brothels is the old school term. And we were walking down, and man, this is a kid from Idaho. Never experienced that before in my life. Had no idea what in the world was going on, right? We're cruising down this street, and we come up to this building, and there's a woman sitting in the window of one of those places, and the dude's like, that's her. I'm like, what do you mean that's her? He's like, that's her. Like, that's the woman that I saw as we were praying. I'm like, oh, that's cool. What are we going to do with that? <laughs> like, right? Like, so we found the red light. We've got the lady sitting in the window, and I have McDonald's. <laughs> right? Not, not like the most... So we're in that moment. We just stop, and we pray, and we're like, Lord, what are, you, what are you telling us to do? And it was like as clear as day. The Lord was like, spend the money to have her for an hour and take her to eat. And we were like, well, that's weird. Never seen that in the Bible, never read that. Nobody ever told us that story. And so we did. We went up to this building, knocked on the door. A guy came to the door who was sketchy as heck. And we said, hey, we would like to take her to dinner. And he looked at us like we were from another planet. Like straight out, you guys are Looney Tunes. And we're like, we'll pay whatever it is for, the, for, for an hour with her. But we'd like to take her to dinner. And he's like, you've got the money. So we, we gave this guy the money. I can't even remember how much it was. We were poor. We're missionaries. So we're giving him all the money that we have, um, except for what we were trying to save for dinner. I can't remember even how much that was. And so this lady walks out with the most bewildered look on her face, like clearly not anything that she'd ever experienced before. We go to walking up the street, and we're like, hey, we just we want to be clear with you. We want nothing from you. And she's just like walking with us. And like it was, just, it was a very surreal moment. And literally, right around the corner from the Red District is what? Thank you. you guys are prophetic. It's amazing. There's a McDonald's. So we go into McDonald's, not the like, coolest environment, not like a candlelit dinner, none of that. We sit down at the table, ask her what she wants. We order her food. I don't, I, if I remember right, we didn't even have enough money to buy us food. I don't know. I, I, that, that, I think that's part of the story. But anyways, we're sitting there with her. And I look across the street, and there's this little flower shop. And we had just enough money. I went across the street. We bought her a red rose, set it in front of her, and we just started having conversations with this girl. 
And man, it was one of the most life-changing moments in my life. Where three dudes, guys, sitting around with this young woman who was in a very broken space of her life. And we're trying to explain to her why we are doing what we're doing. How many of you know there's not a lot of words for that moment? Like, how do you explain it? So we just told her the truth. We said, hey, we were back at our boat that's down at the docks, right? She's like, sure you were. We're back at our boat on the dock. We were praying, asking God what we were supposed to do tonight, and he gave us these pictures, and here you are. And we just want you to know. We don't know why, why we're here, other than the fact that you just need to know that Jesus cared so much about you that he'd bring these three crazy dudes from all over the world to come and spend this moment with you. And man, we sat there, and it wrecked us. I mean, it wrecked us that God loved this woman so much that he would, he would draw us to that moment. We sat there with her, tears pouring down her face, tears pouring down. She's like, I don't know what to say to you guys. And we're like, you don't have to say, this is not about what you're bringing to this. We just want you to know that you're loved. And we got a moment to pray over this girl. I don't know what happened with her life. Jesus didn't let me be a part of the aftermath of that. But what I want you to know is that moment, that meal that we got to share with her was one that I'll never forget in my life. It was probably the worst food ever. But because of God's love for that, that woman, we got to be a part of a moment in her life. Now, I don't know what adventure you're living with, Jesus, but here's what I want you to know. He has those types of adventures for us every day of our life. Yes. And there's someone who needs to be invited to the table with you. If for no other reason, just to say, I don't know why we're having this meal, but I want you to know that God loves you. Yep. That's right. He sees you. He cares about you. And if in your life, in our lives as a church family, if we're not making room at the table like Jesus made it his church, I want to invite us to think that maybe we might be missing out on some of the following of Jesus. Because I don't know who Jesus has for you to sit at the table with, with you, but here's what I do know. He already invited you to come sit with him, and he's inviting you to invite some others. Church, that's the culture we want to create. That's the people we want to be. People whose lives look like the one that we say that we're following. Yeah. So when we talk about this being at the table, I want to invite you to, to expand that out in your life a little bit and just say, Jesus, who are you encouraging me or inviting me to bring to the table that they, they would know your love? Pastor Rod next week is going to bring us another message around this same space, and here's what I'm, I'm challenging you. We're seeding your hearts because I believe there's a work that God wants to do in us as a church family of opening our hearts and our lives, and I would even say your kitchen tables, to some people who need some, some love in their life. Jesus didn't give that commission to other people. He invited us to be a part of his table so that we would know how to do it with others. Amen? I want to pray over us this morning. And I'm going to ask that the Lord, the Holy Spirit, would do an incredible work in our hearts today of hearing and seeing how Jesus lived his life and us responding to that. Lord, we thank you for this beautiful example out of Luke chapter 7. Lord, we thank you for this amazing woman, God, who had the faith, the tenacity, whatever it was inside of her to run to you, Jesus, and to show us what real love looks like. And Lord, I'm asking today, Lord, that you would do a work deep inside of our hearts. Lord, where we've just 
maybe got stuck in some of our religious ways or our traditions or what's comfortable to us. Lord, I pray today, Lord, that you would break that off of our lives today. And Jesus, that we would be those who think more about you than we are worried about what other people think about us with you. And Lord, I'm praying that in this community of faith right here at River Valley, Lord, that you would do a deep work inside of us, Lord, of teaching us how to be a people, Lord, that invite others to the table with you. And Lord, we recognize, Lord, that that our lives are not perfect. They never will be. Jesus, that's not who you invited to the table. Lord, you invited all of those who would come and be with you. And so, Lord, we just want to be with you. Lord, we also want to create space and room for others to do the same. And so, God, I pray for a deep work of your Holy Spirit in our life. Lord, I pray if our hearts are not echoing, Lord, the words that you spoke, God, over those inviting to the table, Lord, that you would come and change in us whatever needs to be changed. Lord, do whatever you need to do. Break whatever fallow ground, hard-heartedness in us, Lord, that needs the touch of your Spirit, God, to be a place, Lord, where your word can grow in us. Lord, I thank you for this table. Lord, I thank you for the invite that we have to come and to be with you. And Lord, I pray that as we continue on this journey, Jesus, of looking at the people that you hung out with and the, the meals that you shared with them, Lord, Lord, I pray, Lord, that our hearts would grow to look like you and that our actions would do the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to this message from River Valley Church. Do you know someone who would be encouraged by it? Make sure to share it with them this week. Again, for more content from us, please check out our website at rivervalleyboise.com.